after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel of God, good news from God, and saying that time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Straightway, immediately, they forsook their net, followed him. When he had gone a little farther, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their net. And straightway he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. After coming into Galilee in northern Israel, Jesus begins preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God to the Jewish people. The kingdom of God was at hand because the king was there, and they were to accept and believe in him who is their coming Messiah. Now, while Jesus was in the area of Galilee, he began to call his first disciples, four men, four fishermen, to follow him. You will note there were two pairs of brothers who well, possibly they were also partners in the fishing business there. Dr. Mitchell will explain more of this relationship between these brothers in this lesson, and you will further notice their immediate obedience in following the Savior. The Savior is going to prepare them to be fishers of men, seeking men who need Jesus and giving them the good news. Here's Dr. Mitchell. We're in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and you're listening to The Unchanging Word, Bible Broadcast. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you. And when I think of this gospel through Mark, I'm ever amazed at the brevity uh, of the way Mark writes. And yet, it's pregnant with truth, especially if your mind is, is full of the text concerning Matthew and Luke and John. And Mark comes down and puts it in a very, very simple way and says some things the others don't say. Like, for example, in the testing of our Savior in verses 12 and 13 of how he was with the wild beast and the angels ministered unto him. I'd like again to suggest just one or two things by way of repetition. He came to man and he found man in his sin. He came to save him. He joined himself to them. He came to God and dedicated himself. And God the Father consecrated him. 
Then he came to the enemy and defeated him. Then he came and started his ministry, starting in at verse 14. This is where we were closing in our last message, where the Lord's message in verses 14 and 15 is given to us, very brief and yet potent with truth. Will you please notice that he's starting now his ministry in Galilee. Uh, Mark says partly nothing from between the time he was baptized and driven of the devil to the wilderness until he went to Galilee. Those, those months in between, he says nothing about them. you find it, some of it in, in Mark and some of it in Luke and especially in John. Now notice it. After John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, or preaching the gospel of God, good news from God, and saying the time is fulfilled, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This was in addition to what, what John had said. John was preaching repentance for the remission of sins. But our Lord went beyond that. He said, repent and believe. And we were closing up in our last lesson with the fact that the Apostle Paul made somewhat the same statement in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, when he spoke to the Ephesian elders on the short Miletus, when he said that he preached repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance means a turning to God from self, from sin. In Thessalonians uh, 1.9, how these idolaters turn to God from idols. That's real repentance. To serve the living and true God and await for his Son from heaven. When they turned to God, they put their trust in him. Their lives were transformed lives, no longer living in sin and worshiping idols. But now they were the manifested faith and hope and love. That's what you have in the beginning of the chapter. For Paul commends them for their faith and their love and their hope. You have at the end of the chapter, their faith, they turn to God from idols. Their love to serve the living and true God. Their hope to wait for his son from heaven. That's all through your New Testament. Wonderful thing. If you want to know the explanation of the whole gospel, I suggest you go back to Romans, first three chapters, especially Romans 3, 21 to 31. See, friend, the gospel is good news. Good news to sinners, not damning sinners. Now, I, I, know, I know that when a person rejects the Savior, there's nothing left but darkness. When Judas left the presence of the Lord, it was night. And when a man turns his back on the Savior, it's night. God is light. When you come to him, you belong to the kingdom of light. There's no darkness at all with him. God's got some good news. Well, Mr. Mitchell, don't you believe that, that he that believeth not is condemned already? That's what Jesus said, yeah? But what's the good news? He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Good news. 
The trouble is today that the gospel of Jesus Christ has been distorted. And I mean from well-meaning people, from well-meaning preachers. It's very, very difficult for the human heart to accept a perfect salvation and eternal salvation from the hands of the Savior just by simple trust in Him. See, I'm talking about genuine trust. I'm not talking about a doctrinal trust. I believe in good doctrine. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a stickler for doctrine. You see, with my mind, I see the truth. That's doctrine. But I must love him of whom the truth, the truth speaks. I must put my trust in the one of whom the truth speaks. I must put my trust in the Savior. And he said, I come, I coming to you bringing good news from God. Good news from God. I'll tell you it's good news for a man who was dead in trespasses and sins to hear a voice saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you life. Only one place to find that. That's in the Savior. That's why he came. I wish in some way I could make this very clear to you folks. You see, the, the, the natural, the heart of man, let me put it this way, that the heart of man is naturally egalistic. We want to do something. We want to get credit for something. We don't want to let God do the whole business. We want to do something. So I can say to God, you know, Lord, wonderful. You and me together, we, we worked out our salvation. Far be the thought. They're going to sing, if I remember reading Revelation, it says, they sang unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he hath made us a kingdom of priests unto God and his Christ. Huh? Good news. Paul was separated to the good news. Are we? How are your friends going to know about the Savior if you don't tell them? When the last words in Luke 24 to the disciples were these words, you are witnesses of these things. And that's been handed down to you and to me. You're going to all the world to pass out the good news, to preach the gospel, the good news every creature. And as long as there's one unsaved man on the face of the earth, we still have a responsibility. We are not freed from our responsibility until we go home to glory. As long as we're here on earth, we have a responsibility that men should know the good news. Most of us have failed in this. May the Lord give us courage. May the Lord give us that love for the Savior that we can't help but talk about him who loved us, who gave himself for us. So this is ministry. We have it all the way through. You remember, all the way through, you're going to find our Savior doing this very thing, meeting the needs of people. You say, you have this, already we've gone through this, his dedication, his testing, his ministry. Now he's going to call disciples to himself, starting in at verse 16. He calls disciples to himself. He's not going to do this alone. He wants, he wants fellowship. Listen to it. 
Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, they were fishermen, commercial fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Straightway, immediately, they forsook their nets, followed him. When he had gone a little farther, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets, commercial fishermen. And straightway he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. What I want to talk to you about here in this part, to me this astounding thing. The Lord didn't call angels to accompany him. He called, in this case, he called some commercial fishermen. Now these men had met Jesus before. This is not the first time they'd met the Savior. In John chapter 1, we have where they met the Savior. In John chapter 1, you remember, right after John had baptized our Savior, John said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples left him. Andrew was one. And they said to Jesus, Where are you staying? He said, Come on and see. And so they came and saw where he dwelt and stayed with him that day. And Andrew was so in love with this Jesus, he'd forgotten about John. He went out and he hunted up Simon. And he said to Simon, We have found the Messiah who was called the Christ. And he brought him Jesus. And when Jesus saw Peter, he said, uh, your name is Simon, I'm going to call you Peter, a rock. The day following, he saw a man called Philip. Do you remember that? Philip was the best seder, same town of Andrew and Peter. He said, follow me, accompany me, come on with me. And he left him, he left everything, followed Jesus. Got a hold of Nathaniel, brought him to the Savior too. Oh, these men. Now you've got an entirely different thing. Here you have the Lord choosing out of the crowds that were following him, choosing men. He came by the seashore and he saw Andrew and he saw Peter and he said, come after me. I will make you to become fishers of men and straightway they followed him. Said the same thing to to James, the son of Zebedee, and Johnny's brother, and straightway he called them, and they left their father in the ship with the hired servants, went after him. What I'm trying to get to your heart is this, the astounding thing. God loves companionship. God loves fellowship. God loves fellowship. <laughs> he wants men to be with him. Oh, you see, Mr. Mitchell, my, wouldn't I? I would give everything. I'd give my right arm to have been there and been a commercial fisherman, have Jesus say to me, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. No, he's calling you, my friend. He yearned, Jesus was yearning for companionship, for fellowship. See? Accompany me. Come on along with me. I'll make you fishers of men. You remember in Luke chapter 5? If I may, if I may give you a little uh, more reading to do. In Luke chapter 5, the Lord had been preaching to the crowd from the boat, Peter's boat. When he got through, he said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Peter says, Lord, we've fished all night and caught nothing. 
Nevertheless, at your word, we'll, we'll let down the net. Wrong time to face, the wrong place to face, but I'm going to obey orders. And they, they had so many fish in the net, they had to call for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And Peter fell down at his feet. You remember that? He fell down at his feet in the boat. And I have a, I have a notion that Peter had his arms around the Savior when he said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a wicked man. He saw something of the glory of the Savior. That the Lord said, let down your nets for a draft. He guaranteed a harvest. That's like Jesus, isn't it? He guaranteed a harvest. There was no hope so anything else. He guaranteed a harvest. And they had so many fish that he called for their friends to come. Depart from me, O Lord, I'm a wicked man. You know what Jesus said? Come on with me, and you'll catch men alive. The revised text, you'll catch men alive. And they forsook all. They left their boat and their fish in the net and followed him. Oh, you know, I would like to have been there. I would have liked to have looked into the eyes, into the face of our Savior. That which would cause a man to leave his boat, his possessions, his business, his fish. And for a fisherman to leave his fish, brother, that's something. I've seen men catch fish where the, the, the fish had to put its tongue out, you know, to make it long enough to meet the limit. And the, tongue, the fish didn't put its tongue out there to make the limit. So he, what does he do? He wraps it in a cloth and puts it in his fish box. Or he puts it in his tackle box so nobody could see it. He's not going to go home skunked. Here's a man, here a man are willing to give everything up. You see, the call is follow me. Accompany me. See, the call is, is, is to a person. I want your fellowship. Come after me. Accompany me. You know he's saying that to you and me today. The call, accompany me. I'll make you a fisher of men. It's a call to separation unto God. It's a call from other interests that occupy your heart, that take up your time and your energy and your emotions and your love and everything else. He wants to be first. That's the call. And what's the promise? I'll make you fishers of men. Did you notice? He didn't say that to Levi or Matthew. Levi and Matthew, by the way, the same person. He was a tax gatherer. Jesus didn't say to the tax gatherer, I'm going to make you a fishers of men. He wasn't a fisherman. When he said to Peter and John and James and Andrew, accompany me, follow along with me, travel along with me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He knew their capacity. They were fishermen. God's given you some capacity too. He doesn't ask you to do what I do. He doesn't ask me to do what you do. What he wants you to do, what he wants me to do, is to accompany him. And when we accompany him, he will give us the capacity, whatever job he wants to do. You know, I've had Christians here, Mr. Mitchell, you know, I don't have any gifts. How do you know? How do you know? Maybe the reason you don't know is because you haven't given yourself entirely over to him. Maybe he's asked you to do something you don't want to do. The important thing is to accompany him. 
That's the first thing. First thing is not, I will make you fishers of men. The first thing was, accompany me. Come on along with me. And when you come along with me, I'll guarantee you a harvest. I will make you to join with me in catching men alive. In taking men and women and bringing them through the gospel out of sin, out of judgment, out of hell, out of darkness, into the glorious light of the liberty of the gospel of God. And what was their response? They forsook all and followed him. Notice the three things, will you? First of all, the call. Accompany me. Secondly, the promise. I'll make you to become fishers of men. Third, the response. They forsook all. Followed him. Listen, my friend. God has made you different to anybody else. What for? He's made you different to me. He's made me different to you. The trouble is we Christians want to be like somebody else. He wants you to be like somebody else. Oh, how often I've said, my, I wish I could preach like that fellow. I wish I could teach like that fellow. In fact, I, I've been in conference where I've heard some of these brilliant preachers, and I've said, if, if that's what preaching is, I guess I better go back to the machine shop. Huh? Oh, no. Oh, no. He doesn't ask you to do what the other fellow does. We can be an encouragement to you. He wants you for himself. He doesn't all call all to be teachers or evangelists or preachers. He calls you to accompany him. That's the call, to accompany him, to live in daily fellowship with him, to have him as the object of your love and your affection and your devotion, to be obedient to his word. Accompany me. Be in fellowship with me. And then he gives you the promise I will make you to become fishers of men. Not of material things. You know, the trouble today is we, we judge a man by, by crowds. We judge a man by how much money he can raise. We judge a man by how much money he's got. We judge a man by how successful he is in life. We judge a man by his pleasing personality, etc., etc., etc. No, the important thing is whether you're living in a mud hut or a palace, that isn't the question. The question is, do you accompany him? And then he comes. I'll make you to become fishers of men. I'll give you a job. I'll call you into cooperation with myself. As 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, we are fellow workers with God. And the response was, they left all, they forsook all, and followed him. What about you, my friend? What about me? Uh, you see, Mr. Mitchell, I can only do what you're doing. Listen, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got more responsibility than you have. That isn't the question. The question is, will you, will you accompany him? Will you follow him? Will you walk with him? Then he guarantees a harvest. He guarantees you success in your ministry of your testimony of the Word of God. They forsook all. This is their response. In other words, they accompanied him. He drew them to his person. He didn't draw them to a job. He drew them to his person. 
and having drawn them to his person. You've got the wonderful thing, I'll make you to become fishers of men, or whatever it may be, a call to walk before him. And may I again say, friend, God never rewards greatness. He does reward faithfulness to him. I would plead with your heart, Christian friend, to accompany him, to walk with him. And if I'm talking to an unsafe person, he offers himself to you, friend, as a savior, as a savior from sin, from judgment, from death, from the powers of darkness. He wants to make you a child of his. Then he wants you to accompany him. As I've oftentimes said in missionary meetings, some sow and never reap. Some reap who never sow, but their partners, some reap, some sow, some do something else, but we all have a part in the purpose of God. May the Lord grant to you, first of all, the call, accompany him. Then his promise, I'll make you fishers of men. I watch your response. Now may the Lord bless you today for his precious name's sake. We do not often express our need. We do trust the Lord to bring in the support as he wills. We do make this urgent appeal at this time. Would you be so kind as to ask the Lord in prayer how you can help? And we do want to thank you for your continued support. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.